Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Sunday, February 26th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Definitely worth your while to get over there and look for stuff to listen to. Um, Believe me, there's more over there that you'll want to listen to than you'll ever have time. But again, it's definitely worth your while. You you cannot go wrong going over there. Uh, Just loads of stuff. There's, I think there's near 50 different podcasts over there, all all very biblically sound, um, very and very much worth your while across a a lot of subjects. Believe me, there there's not. It's not that you listen to one and basically you've listened to the rest of them. They're all all different. Um, but all definitely worth your while. So again, I would encourage you. I also want to remind you to uh, check out the last link in the show notes. It is a link to the Vail Valley Baptist Church Give, Send, Go campaign. Uh, We are striving to rapidly pay off our mortgage so that we can shift gears and commence establishment of a Christian uh, classical education-based school. Um, to alter an alternative or to offer, wow, to offer an alternative um, here within our community um, for everybody, uh, just to give them a place that they they can feel safe sending their children for education. So um, especially for families that cannot, cannot figure out a way to homeschool, don't, don't, don't have the manpower to homeschool. um, So we want to offer an alternative. All right. Um, so, so what we would ask you to do, you know, go ahead and click on the link. You can go read a much more thorough description um, than I just gave you. Um, but then we would ask three things of you to pray for us, to prayerfully consider giving to us, and then to pass the link along to other people so that they can do the same. Um, and I'll let you know, hey, sorry, this is going to be a little late coming out because I'm actually recording it on Sunday morning. Uh, yesterday, it was a good day. I um, got to spend time with my grandson. But it was a very full day and a little bit of a stressful day. So I, I just, I was not in the right place to try to record last night to have this out at the crack of dawn this morning. So I'm actually recording it Sunday morning. So I, and it's going to be relatively short. Uh, my reading is a little bit of a shorter reading in the evening segment. So um, to try to get this out and get it, get it out rapidly so I can go get ready for church. And so for any of y'all that try to listen through first thing in the morning, um, it will be a little bit shorter, um, but at the same time, I, I hope that it is, and I pray that it is truly edifying for you. So in that vein, let's go ahead and get into our Bible reading this morning. We're going to go ahead and open up with the first day morning prayer from Valley of Vision. It's called Worship. O Lord, we commune, oh, sorry, let's pray. O Lord, we commune with thee every day. But weekdays are worldly days, and secular concerns reduce heavenly impressions. We bless thee, therefore, for the day sacred to our souls, when we can wait upon thee and be refreshed, 
we thank thee for the institutions of religion, by use of which we draw near to thee and thou to us. We rejoice in another Lord's Day, when we call off our minds from the cares of the world and attend upon thee without distraction. Let our retirement be devout, our conversation edifying, our reading pious, our hearing profitable, that our souls may be quickened and elevated. We are going to the house of prayer. Pour upon us the spirit of grace and supplication. We are going to the house of praise. Awaken in us every grateful and cheerful emotion. We are going to the house of instruction. Give testimony to the word preached and glorify it in the hearts of all who hear. May it enlighten the ignorant, awaken the careless, reclaim the wandering, establish the weak, comfort the feeble-minded, make ready a people for their Lord. Be a sanctuary to all who cannot come. Forget not those who never come, and do thou bestow upon us benevolence towards our dependents, forgiveness towards our enemies, peaceableness towards our neighbors, openness towards our fellow Christians. Amen. All right. Now our morning devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for February 26th. The uh, text it's fr- that uh, it's drawn from is in Jonah 2.9. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is the work of God. It is he alone who quickens the soul, dead in trespasses and sin, and it is he also who maintains the soul in its spiritual life. He is both Alpha and Omega. Salvation is of the Lord. If I am prayerful, God makes me prayerful. If I have graces, they are God's gift to me. If I hold on in a consistent life, it is because he upholds me with his hand. I do nothing whatever towards my own preservation except what God himself first does in me. Whatever I have, all my goodness is of the Lord alone. Wherein I sin, that is my own, but wherein I act rightly, that is of God, wholly and completely. If I have repulsed a spiritual enemy, the Lord's strength nerved my arm. Do I live before men a consecrated life? It is not I, but Christ who liveth in me. Am I sanctified? I did not cleanse myself. God's Holy Spirit sanctifies me. Am I weaned from the world? I am weaned by God's chastisement, sanctified to my good. Do I grow in knowledge? The great instructor teaches me. All my jewels were fashioned by heavenly art. I find in God all that I want, but I find in myself nothing but sin and misery. He only is my rock and my salvation. Do I feed on the word? That word should be no food for me unless the Lord made it food for my soul and help. I'm sorry, unless the Lord made it food for my soul and help me to feed upon it. Do I live on the manna which comes down from heaven? What is that manna but Jesus Christ himself incarnate, whose body and whose blood I eat and drink? Am I continually receiving fresh, fresh increase of strength? Where do I gather my might? My help cometh from heaven's hills. Without Jesus I can do nothing, as a branch cannot bring forth fruit except it abide in the vine. No more can I, except I abide in him. What Jonah learned in the great deep, let me learn this morning in my closet. Salvation is of the Lord. All right, and now our reading. Uh, We're going to be in Leviticus 19. I'm going to read that into Leviticus 20, and then we're going to go on into Mark, Psalms, and Proverbs like we usually do, at least at this point in our reading. So Leviticus 19, wow, sorry. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, 
Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, Yahweh your God, am holy. Every one of you shall fear his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am Yahweh your God. Do not turn to idols, or make for yourself molten gods. I am Yahweh your God. Now when you offer a sacrifice of peace offerings to Yahweh, you shall offer it so that you may be accepted. It shall be eaten the same day you offer it, and the next day, but what remains until the third day shall be burned with fire. So if it is eaten at all on the third day, it is an offense, it will not be accepted. And everyone who eats it will bear his iniquity, for he has profaned the holy things of Yahweh, and that person shall be cut off from his people. Now when you reap the harvest of of your land, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, nor shall you glean your vineyards, nor shall you gather the fallen fruit of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the afflicted and for the sojourner. I am Yahweh your God. You shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another, and you shall not swear falsely by my name, so as to profane the name of your God. I am Yahweh. You shall not oppress your neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of a hired man shall not remain with you overnight until morning. You shall not curse a deaf man, nor place a stumbling block before the blind. But you shall fear your God. I am Yahweh. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great. But you shall judge your neighbor in righteousness. You shall not go about as a slanderer among your people. And you shall not stand against the life of your neighbor. I am Yahweh. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You may surely reprove your neighbor, and so not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance, and you shall not keep your anger against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. You are to keep my statutes. You shall not breed together two kinds of your cattle. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed, nor wear a garment upon you of two kinds of material mixed together. Now if a man lies sexually with a woman who is a slave assigned to another man, but who has in no way been redeemed nor given her freedom, there shall be punishment. They shall not, however, be put to death because she was not free. And he shall bring his guilt offering to Yahweh, to the doorway of the tent of meeting, a ram for a guilt offering. The priest shall also make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering before Yahweh for his sin which he has committed and the sin which he has committed will be forgiven him. When you enter the land and plant all kinds of trees for food, then you shall designate their fruit as forbidden. Three years it shall be forbidden to you, it shall not be eaten. But in the fourth year all its fruit shall be holy, an offering of praise to Yahweh. Now in the fifth year you shall eat of its fruit, that its produce may increase for you. I am Yahweh your God. You shall not eat anything with the blood, nor interpret omens or soothsaying. You shall not round off the side growth of your heads, nor harm the edges of your beard. And you shall not make any cuts in your body for the dead, uh, for the dead, nor make any tattoo marks on yourselves. I am Yahweh. Do not profane your daughters by making her a harlot, so that the land will not fall to harlotry and the land become full of lewdness. You shall keep my Sabbaths and fear my, san- and fear my sanctuary. I am Yahweh. Do not turn to mediums or spiritists. Do not seek them out to be defiled by them. I am Yahweh your God. You shall rise up before the gray-haired and honor the aged, and you shall fear your God. I am Yahweh. And when a sojourner sojourns with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him, 
The sojourner who sojourns with you shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourselves, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. I am Yahweh your God. You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measurement of weight, or in volume. You shall have your balances, you should, sorry, you shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hen. I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt. You shall thus keep all my statutes and all my judgments, and do them. I am Yahweh. All right, Leviticus 20, I'm sorry, I need to pull back up my screen to see, uh, let's see, verses uh, Leviticus 20, verses 1 through 21. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, You shall also say to the sons of Israel, Any man from the sons of Israel, or from the sojourners sojourning in Israel, who gives any of his seed to Molech, shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will also set my face against the man, and will cut him off from among his people, because he has given some of those who are his seed to Molech, so as to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. If the people of the land, however, should ever turn a blind eye to that man when he gives any of those who are his seed to Molech, so as not to put him to death, then I myself will set my face against that man and against his family. And I will cut off from among this people both him and all those who play the harlot after him and playing the harlot after Molech. As for the person who turns to mediums and to spiritists to play the harlot after them, I will also set my face against the person and will cut him off from among his people. Therefore you shall set yourselves apart as holy and be holy, for I am, for I am Yahweh your God. And you shall keep my statutes and do them. I am Yahweh who makes you holy. If there is anyone who curses his father or his mother, he shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood guiltiness is upon him. Sorry. Sorry, hang on a minute. I lost my place. Ah, there we go. If there is a man who commits adultery with another man's wife, one who commits adultery with his friend's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. If there is a man who lies with his father's wife, he has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood guiltiness is upon them. If there is a man who lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed perversion. Their blood guiltiness is upon them. If there is a man who lies with a male as those who, lies, who, those who lie with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood guiltiness is upon them. If there is a man who marries a woman and her mother, it is lewdness, lewdness both he and and they shall be burned with fire, so that there will be no lewdness in your midst. If there is a man who lies with an animal, he shall surely be put to death. You shall also kill the animal. If there is a woman who approaches any animal to mate with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood guiltiness is upon them. If there is a man who takes his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, so that he sees her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it is a disgrace, and they shall be cut off in the sight of the sons of their people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness. He bears his guilt. If there is a man who lies with a menstruous woman and uncovers her nakedness, he has laid bare her flow, and she has uncovered the flow of her blood. Thus both of them shall be cut off from among the people." 
You shall also not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister or of your father's sister, for for such a one has made naked his blood relative. They will bear their guilt. If there is a man who lies with his aunt, he has uncovered his uncle's nakedness. They will bear their sin. They will die childless. If there is a man who takes his brother's wife, it is an impure act. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness. They will be childless. All right. Now, Mark 8, verses 11 through 38. And the Pharisees came out and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. And sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And leaving them, he again embarked and went away to the other side. And they had forgotten to take bread, and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear, and do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? They said to him, Twelve. When I broke the seven for the four thousand, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, Seven. And he was saying to them, Do you not yet understand? And they came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind and they brought a blind man to Jesus and pleaded with him to touch him. And taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village, and after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he was asking him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and was saying, I see men, but I see them like trees walking around. Then again he laid his hands on his eyes, and he looked intently and was restored, and began to see everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. And Jesus went out along with his disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he was asking his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, saying, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, but others one of the prophets. And he continued questioning them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. And he warned them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he was stating the the, the matter openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man get? give in exchange for his soul. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in the adult, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. All right, Psalm 42. For the choir director, a mascal of the sons of Korah, 
as the deer pants for the water's brook, water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember and pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with the sound of a shout of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why are you disturbed within me? Wait for God, for I shall still praise him for the salvation of his presence. O my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Mazar, Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. By day Yahweh will command his loving kindness, and by night his song will be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries reproach me, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Wait for God, for I shall still praise him, the salvation of my presence and my God. And finally, Proverbs 10, verse 17. Let me get to it. There we go. He is on the path of life who keeps discipline, but he who forsakes reproof makes himself wander about. All right. Well, that is our reading for the morning segment. Um, again, thank you for being with me. Um, I hope it edifies you and uh, definitely praying that you're preparing for worship this morning. If you didn't go last night, uh, I hope you have a wonderful day. Um, I would continue to implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God and God willing, I will see you this evening. Let's go ahead and close out like we usually do with the Lord's Day morning prayer. Let's pray. O maker and upholder of all things, Day and night are thine, they are also mine from thee, the night to rid me of the cares of the day, to refresh my weary body, to renew my natural strength, the day to summon me to new activities, to give me opportunity to glorify thee, to serve my generation, to acquire knowledge, holiness, eternal life. But one day above all days is made especially for thy honor and my improvement. The Sabbath reminds me of thy rest from creation, of the resurrection of my Savior, of his entering into repose. Thy house is mine, but I am unworthy to meet thee there, and am unfit for spiritual service. When I enter it, I come before thee as a sinner, condemned by conscience and thy word. For I am still in the body and in the wilderness, ignorant, weak, in danger, and in need of thine aid, but encouraged by thy all-sufficient grace. Let me go to thy house with a lively hope of meeting thee, knowing that there thou wilt come to me and give me peace. My soul is drawn out to thee in longing desires, for, the, for thy presence in the sanctuary, at the table, where all are entertained on a feast of good things. Let me, before the broken elements, emblems of thy dying love, cry to thee with broken heart for grace and forgiveness. I long for that blissful communion of thy people, in thy eternal house, in the perfect kingdom. These are they that follow the Lamb. May I be of their company. Amen. All right, again. Have yourself a wonderful day. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast.
Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Sunday, February 26th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This is episode 179. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. Um, The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Again, it's definitely worth your while to get over there and take a look. A lot of great content over there, uh, more than you'll have time to listen to. And believe me, it, it doesn't all repeat itself. There's just a wide, wide variety of information over there, but all godly and vetted out. It's been cur- being curated. Um, the podcasts have to go through an approval process to even be included there. So definitely worth your while. Um, we're going to be continuing this evening in our reading in Thomas Watson's "A Godly Ma- The Godly Man's Picture. Um, and believe me, I know it says a godly, the godly man's picture, but believe me, this is for all Christians. Okay. This is for men and women, both. And no, there are not anything other than men and women, but this is for men and women, both. Um, so let's go ahead and get into it. Um, we got a slightly shorter reading this evening, but let's go ahead and get into it. We're going to go ahead and open up this evening with the first day evening prayer from Valley of Vision. It's called the teacher. Let's pray. O God, we bless thee, our creator, preserver, benefactor, teacher, for opening to us the volume of nature, where we may read and consider thy works. Thou hast this day spread before us the fuller pages of revelation, and in them we see what thou wouldst have us do, what thou requirest of us, what thou hast done for us, what thou hast promised to us, what thou hast given us in Jesus. We pray thee for a conscious experience of his salvation, and our deliverance from sin, and our bearing his image, and our enjoying his presence, and our being upheld by his free spirit. Let us not live uncertain of what we are, of where we are going. Bear witness with our spirit that we are thy children, and enable each one to say, I know my Redeemer. Bless us with a growing sense of this salvation. If already enlightened in Christ, may we see greater things. If quickened, may we have more abundant life. If renewed, let us go on from strength to strength. Give us closer abiding in Jesus, that we may bring forth more fruit, have a deeper sense of our obligations to him, that we may surrender all, have a fuller joy, that we may serve him more completely, and may our faith work by love towards him who died, towards our fellow believers, towards our fellow men. Amen. All right, now the evening devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for February 26th. It comes from the text Leviticus 13.13. Behold, if the leprosy has covered all his flesh, he he shall pronounce him clean that hath the plague. Strange enough this regulation appears, yet there was wisdom in it, for the throwing out of the disease proved that the constitution was sound. This evening it may be well for us to see the typical teaching of so singular a rule. We too are lepers, and may read the law of the leper as applicable to ourselves. When a man sees himself to be altogether lost and ruined, covered all over with the defilement of sin, and in no part free from pollution, when he disclaims all righteousness of his own and pleads guilty before the Lord, then he is clean through the blood of Jesus and the grace of God. Hidden, unfelt, unconfessed iniquity is the true leprosy. But when sin is seen and felt, it has received its death blow, and the Lord looks with eyes of mercy upon the soul afflicted with it, upon the soul afflicted with it. Nothing is more deadly than self-righteousness, or more hopeful than contrition. We must confess that we are nothing else but sin, 
For no confession short of this will be the whole truth, and if the Holy Spirit be at work with us, convincing us of sin, there will be no difficulty about making such an acknowledgment. It will spring spontaneously from our lips. What comfort does the text afford to truly awaken sinners? The very circumstances which so grievously discouraged them is here turned into a sign and symptom of a hopeful state. Stripping comes before clothing. Digging out the foundation is the first thing in building and a thorough sense of sin is one of the earliest works of grace in the heart. O thou poor leprous sinner, utterly destitute of a sound spot, take heart from the text, and come as thou art to Jesus. For let our debts be what they may, however great or small. As soon as we have naught to pay, our Lord forgives us all. Tis perfect poverty alone that sets the soul at large. While we can call one might our own, we have no full discharge. Wow. What an awesome one from Spurgeon. All right. Um, we are going to continue in our reading in the Godly Man's Picture. And our section today is a, is a man of sincerity. The Godly Man is a man of sincerity. We're in the bigger overall section of the book speaking about the attributes of the Godly Man. And this is attribute number 13. The... Uh, the godly man is a sincere man. So, a godly man is a sincere man. Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whose spirit there is no guile. John one forty seven. The word for sincere here signifies without pleats and folds. A godly man is plain-hearted, having no subtle subterfuges. Religion is the unborn... Uh, sorry. Religion is the uniform that a godly man wears, and this uniform is lined with sincerity. Question. And what does the godly man's sincerity appear? Answer 1. The godly man is what he seems to be. He is a Jew inwardly. Romans 2.29. By the way, the first quote in here was the, from John 1.47 when he was speaking to, um, I think it was about Nathaniel. Um, no, it wasn't. I, anyways. Grace runs through his heart as silver runs through the veins of the earth. The hypocrite is not what he seems. A picture is like a man, but it lacks breath. The hypocrite is an effigy, a picture. He does not breathe out sanctity. He is only an angel on a signpost. A godly man corresponds to his profession, as a transcript corresponds to the original. Answer 2. The godly man labors to approve himself to God in everything. We labor so that whether present or absent, absent we may be accepted by him. 2 Corinthians 5.9 it is better to have God approve than the world applaud. Those who ran in the Olympic race labored to have the approval of the judge and umpire of the race. There is a time coming shortly when a smile from God's face will be infinitely better than all the applause of men. How sweet that word will be. Well done, good and faithful servant. Matthew twenty-five twenty-one. A godly man is ambitious for God's letters of recommendation, while the hypocrite decides the desires to carry about men's fair opinion. Saul was Saul was for the vogue of the people, 1 Samuel 15.30. A godly man approves his heart to God, who is both the spectator and the judge. Answer 3. The godly man is transparent in laying open his sins. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I have not hidden my iniquity, Psalm 32.5. The hypocrite veils and smothers his sin. He does not... Uh, Absendere peccatum, but abscondere. He does not cut off his sin, but conceals it. 
like a patient who has some loathsome disease in his body. He would rather die than reveal his disease. But a godly man's sincerity is seen in this. He will confess and shame himself for sin. Lo, I have sinned, and I have done wickedly. 2 Samuel 24.17 Indeed, a child of God will confess sin in particular. An unsound Christian will confess sin wholesale. He will acknowledge he is a sinner only in general, whereas David, as it were, points with his finger to the sore. I have done this evil. Psalm 51.4 He does not say, I have done evil, but this evil. He points at his blood guiltiness. Answer 4. The godly man has blessed designs in all he does. He propounds his objective in every ordinance, that he may have more acquaintance with God and bring more glory to God. As the herb heliotropium turns around according to the motion of the sun, so a godly man's actions all move toward the glory of God. A godly man's praying and worshiping is so that he may honor God. Though he shoots short, yet he aims correctly. The hypocrite thinks of nothing, but self-interest. The sails of his mill move only when the wind of self-promotion blows. He never dives into the water of the sanctuary except to fetch up a piece of gold from the bottom. Answer 5. The godly man abhors deception towards men. His heart goes along with his tongue. He cannot falter and hate, commend and censure. Psalm 28.3. Let love be without hypocrisy. Romans 12.9. Pretended love is worse than hatred. Counterfeiting friendship is no better than a lie, Psalm 78.36. For there is a pretense of that which is not. Many are like Joab. He took Amasa by the beard to kiss him and struck him with his sword in the fifth rib, and he died, 2 Samuel 20, 9 and 10. Horrible poisons lie hidden under sweet honey. There is a river in Spain where the fish seem to have a golden color, but take them out of the water and they are like other fish. All is not gold that glitters. There are some who pretend much kindness, but they are like great veins which have little blood. If you lean on them, they are like a leg out of joint. For my part, I seriously question a man's truth toward God, towards God, if he will falter and lie to his friends. The one that hides his hatred with lying lips is a fool. Proverbs 10.18 By all that has been said, we may test whether we have this mark of a godly man being sincere. The, of a godly man being sincere. Sincerity, sincerity, as I conceive it, <clears throat> sorry, is not strictly a grace, but rather the ingredient in every grace. Sincerity is what qualifies grace, and without which grace is not true. Grace be with those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Ephesians 6.24 Sincerity qualifies our love. Sincerity is to grace what the blood and spirit are to the body. As there can be no life without the blood, so there can be no grace without sincerity. Use. Because we would be reputed as godly, let us labor for this characteristic of sincerity. Sincerity renders us lovely in God's eyes. God says of the sincere soul, as he says of Zion, This is my rest forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. Psalm 132.14 A sincere heart is God's paradise of delight. Noah found grace in God's eyes. Genesis 6.8 why? What did God see in Noah? He was girded with the belt of sincerity. Noah was perfect in his generation. Genesis 6-9 Truth resembles God, and when God, when God sees a sincere heart, he sees own, his own image, and cannot help but fall in love with it. He that is upright in the, his way is God's delight. Proverbs 11-20 Number 2. 
Sincerity makes our services find acceptance with God. The Church of Philadelphia had only a little strength. Her grace was weak, her services slender. Yet of all the churches Christ wrote to, he found the least fault with her. What was the reason? Because she was most sincere. You have kept fast my word and have not denied my name. Revelations 3.8 Though we cannot pay God all we owe, yet a little in current coin is accepted. God takes sincerity for full payment. A little gold, though rusty, is better than tin, however bright it is. A little sincerity, though rusted over with many infirmities, has more value with God than all the glorious flourishes of hypocrites. Sincerity is our safety. False hearts that will step out of God's way and use carnal policy, when they think they are most safe, are least secure. He that walks pure, purely walks surely. Proverbs 10.9 A sincere Christian will do nothing but what the word warrants, and that is safe for the conscience. Indeed, often those who are upright in their way, the Lord takes care of in their outward safety. I laid down and slept. Psalm 3.5 David now, was now surrounded with enemies. Yet God so encamped around him by his providence that David could sleep as securely as in a garrison. The Lord sustained me. The only way to be safe is to be sincere. Number four, sincerity is, a, is gospel perfection. Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man? Job 1.8 Though a Christian is full of infirmities, and like a nursing child, weak and feeble, God still looks on him as if he were completely righteous. Every true saint has the thummim of perfection on his breastplate. Exodus 28.30 Number 5. Sincerity is what the devil strikes at most. Satan's spite was not so much at Job's estate as at his integrity. He would have wrested the shield of sincerity from him, but Job held that fast. Job 27.6 A thief does not fight for an empty purse, but for money. The devil would have robbed Job of the jewel of a good conscience, and then he would have been would have been poor Job indeed. Satan does not oppose mere profession, but sincerity. Let men go to church and make glorious pretense of holiness. Satan does not oppose this. This does him no hurt, nor them any good. But if men desire to be sincerely pious, then Satan musters up all his forces against them. Now what the devil most assaults, we must labor most to maintain. Sincerity is our Fort Royal, where our chief treasure lies. This fort is most shot at, therefore let us be more careful to preserve it. While a man keeps his castle, his castle will keep him. While we keep sincerity, sincerity will keep us. Number six, sincerity is the beauty of a Christian. And what does the beauty of a diamond lie, if not in this, that it is a true diamond? If it is a counterfeit, it is worth nothing. So in what does the beauty of a Christian lie, except in this, that he has truth in the inward parts? Psalm 51, 6. Sincerity is a Christian's ensign of glory. It is both his breastplate to defend him and his crown to adorn him. Number seven, see the vileness of hypocrisy. The Lord would have no leaven offered up in sacrifice. Leaven typified hypocrisy, Luke 12.1. The hypocrite does the devil double service under the mask of piety. He can sin more and be less suspected. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers. Matthew 23.14 Who would think that those who pray for so many hours on end would be guilty of extortion? Who would suspect someone of using false weights who so often has the Bible in his hand? 
Who would think a man would slander if he seems to fear an oath? Hypocrites are the worst sort of sinners. They reflect infinite dishonor upon religion. Hypocrisy, for the most part, ends in scandal, and that brings an evil report on the ways of God. One man breaking the law makes suspects of those who are honest. One scandalous hypocrite makes the world suspect that all professing Christians are like him. The hypocrite was born despite religion and to bring it into a state of disgrace. The hypocrite is a liar. He worships God with his knee and worships his lusts with his heart, like those who feared the Lord and served their own gods. 2 Kings 17.33 The hypocrite is an impudent sinner. He knows his heart is false, yet he goes on. Judas knew he was a hypocrite. He asked, Master, is it I? Christ replies, You have said it. Matthew 26.25 Yet he was so shameless as to persist in his falseness and betray Christ. All the plagues and curses written in the book of God are the hypocrite's portion. Hell is in his, is his place of rendezvous. Matthew 24.51 Hypocrites are the chief guests whom the devil expects, and he will make them as welcome as fire and brimstone can do so. Number 8. If the heart is sincere, God will wink at many failings. He has not seen iniquity in Jacob. Numbers 23.21 God's love does not make him blind. He can see infirmities. But how does the God look at a believer's sins? Not with an eye of revenge, but of pity. Just as a physician sees a disease in his patient so as to heal him. God does not see iniquity in Jacob so as to destroy him, but to heal him. He went on forwardly. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. Isaiah 57, 17 and 18. How much pride, vanity, passion the Lord passes by in his sincere ones. He sees the integrity and pardons the infirmity. How much God overlooked in Asa. The high places were not removed. Yet it is said the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. Second Chronicles fifteen seventeen. We esteem a picture, even if it is not drawn full length. Just so, the graces of God's people are not drawn to their full length. Indeed, they have many scars and spots, yet having something of God in their sincerity, they shall find mercy. God loves the sincere, and it is the nature of love to cover infirmity. Proverbs 10.12 Number 9. Nothing but sincerity, sincerity will give us comfort in, a hour, excuse me, in an hour of trouble. King Hezekiah thought he was dying. Yet this revived him, that his conscience drew up a certificate for him. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you in truth. Isaiah 38.3 Sincerity was the best flower in his crown. What a golden shield this will be against Satan when he roars at us by his temptations and sets our sins before us on, the death, on our deathbed. Then we shall answer. It is true, Satan. These have been our misdeeds, but we have bewailed them. If we have sinned, it was against the bent and purpose of our heart. This will shut the devil's mouth and make him retreat. Therefore labor for this level of insincerity. If our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence toward God. 1 John 3.21 If we are cleared at the pet, petty sessions in our conscience, then we, may, then we may be confident that we shall be acquitted in the great courts on the day of judgment. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relations with you, in the holiness and sincerity that are from God. 2 Corinthians 1.12 Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Hebrews 10.22 
All right. That is our reading for the day. Let me, sorry, I'm going to try to get it to let me put a bookmark on this page. There we go. All right. Well, again, that is our reading for, for the day, for the evening. A godly man is a sincere man. A godly man or woman is a sincere man or woman. Um, so thank you for spending this time with me. Again, I hope this reading in Thomas Watson is edifying for you. It, it, it helps bring in focus what we should look like. We, we are to be imitators of God. Ephesians 5.1. We are to be imitators of God. And so we are to be godly men and women. So what Thomas Watson is laying out here is critical for us in our walk. Um, this is where we need to be heading. This is the, These are the attributes that we need to be appropriating and we need to be manifesting in ourselves, in our walk. All right. Well, thank you for being with me this evening. I hope you go on to have a wonderful night and God willing, I will see you in the morning. Let's go ahead and close out with our Lord's Day evening prayer. Let's pray. Most holy God, may the close of an earthly Sabbath remind me that the last of them will one day end. Animate me with joy that in heaven praise will never cease, that adoration will continue forever, that no flesh will grow weary, no congregations disperse, no affections flag, no thoughts wander, no will droop, but at all will be adoring love. Guard my mind from making ordinances my stay or trust, from hewing out broken cisterns, from resting on outward helps. Wing me through earthly forms to thy immediate presence. May my feeble prayer show me the emptiness and vanity of my sins. Deepen in me the conviction that my most fervent prayers and most lowly confessions need to be repented of. May my best services bring me nearer to the cross and prompt me to cry, None but Jesus. By thy Spirit give abiding life to the lessons of this day. May the seed sown take deep root and yield a full harvest. Let all who see me take knowledge that I have been with thee, that thou hast taught me my need as a sinner hast revealed a finished salvation to me, hast enriched me with all spiritual blessings, hast chosen me to show forth Jesus to others, hast helped me to dispel the mists of unbelief. O great Creator, mighty Protector, gracious Preserver, Thou dost load me with loving kindness, and hast made my, me Thy purchased possession, and redeemed me from all guilt. I praise and bless Thee for my Sabbath rest, my calm conscience, my peace of heart. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have a wonderful night. And like I said, God willing, I will see you in the morning. Have a good night. God bless.